0: Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode number 503. That's right, this week uh, we're recording today, Wednesday the 30th of August. And uh, we're live, streaming on YouTube. We've got our YouTube chat is here, which I now bring in via their own, very own window. Hello everybody, nice to see you all there. And also our IRC people, which you can see the address there, sonicstate.com live, if you fancy... uh, you know using that one that's entirely possible as well so uh, I want to say thank you very much everybody uh, for joining us thank you very much to uh, isotope for providing this week's prize We will of course be onto that very shortly and uh, you know we will uh, give you the opportunity to win a copy of isotope RX6 which as you know is uh, the de facto audio restoration and repair setup so please do uh, enjoy. When the competition time comes, I'm, I'm prevaricating a little bit. I guess it's because uh, I'm slowing down my introduction because we have that, uh, our singular guest this week is Mr. Richard Hilton. Mr. Rich Hilton is here from Sheik uh, and from the Nile Rogers studio. He's been out on the road for a long time. And we, I know you were at a, an airport last week trying to get on. For some reason, it didn't work out. And I don't know whether that was because you were trying to get in on another channel. But anyway, it's great to have you, Rich. How are you?
1: I am very well, thank you. And it's great to be had.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, this week, uh, well, we can we we can kind of take it easy because we can just shoot shoot the uh, shoot the breeze and uh, move it to and from. In case you're wondering what this is all about, this is music technology to do with. This is a podcast rather to do with music technology. We cover all kinds of stuff, whether it's live production, studio production, synthesizers, electronic music instruments. Uh, uh, other kind of instruments too, as we will hopefully we'll get onto as well. Lots of different things, anything to do with the technology and the kind of ecosystem surrounding the creation and making of music and digital stuff, all of that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, Rich, you've been back. Where were where were you last week? Do you are you how long have you been back?
1: I've been back one week. Actually, I came back last Wednesday, um, as you noted. Uh, I was fl- I was in the airport in Detroit at the time when I was trying to hook up with you guys, um, with a little bit of time to kill.
0: And ah, I okay.
1: A flight home, and would have been been interesting to week. see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I tried. Nice. Um,
1: I, I guess this uh, interface doesn't work on mobile devices. This particular interface.
0: Uh, and, it only um, work. No, it doesn't work on iOS at all.
1: Right, and so yep. I figured I'd try the back door with Skype, and I guess that didn't work out either and
0: uh, ah, never mind. never mind, so I liked being
1: a listener because you guys had a great show anyway.
0: It was jolly good fun, and it all seemed to work, uh, which is always nice when that happens um so let's get on to a few topics, shall we um first yes, one sir. now this is going to be interesting, I think because uh well, let's see this is uh a lady called. Taryn Southern, who has, this is the first of a kind of collaborative composition with an AI entity called Ampa, which I think we may have talked about in the past. And this composition, so the Ampa handled all the music and the arrangement. She did the melody and the vocal. Everything everything else was handled by them, I believe. And there's a new album coming out, which is entirely the result of this kind of AI concept of there's more collaboration. I mean, whether or not you know the music floats your boat or not, you know it's a presentable product, and therefore, you know what's interesting about this is kind of notion of this collaborative idea. Now, um, I don't know if you saw any of the other stuff with the Amper Music stuff because it's based on. If I bring this up, this is the web interface for Amper Music, and what it allows you to do is kind of create these kind of sound beds based on you know mood selection. And I think I got one set up here because I was trying. I thought, I know, I'll have a go at the Sonic Talk. Uh, intro so let's just I've had a couple of hits Hey. so you know I mean very basic and I am mes- maybe necessarily found the ideal thing I know Rich what do you think about this I mean th- there are two aspects aren't there there's the one sort of like replacing the human input but the other one is sort of the notion of being able to collaborate without maybe having anyone to collaborate with, which I think could be positive, right?
1: Um, I think there's a name for that. But anyway, uh, for, <laughs> without, without going there, um, you got farther in that software than I did. I found that software unbelievably confounding to use after I went through that whole rigmarole of creating a false persona so that I could log in just to try it out. Um They're not clear about the extent to which AI is interacting on the creation of that piece of music in the video that that we all that we've looked at. No. And the piece of music in that video was actually surprisingly good. Um, And almost, I will say this, it was utterly devoid of mistakes. Now, if that feeds into the virtual uh the uh ai nature rather of the creation process that would be interesting to me but it's not real clear and even says uh on the documentation related to the video that it's not real clear what role exactly the vi is playing and like i said i couldn't get this soft i spent i don't know some short amount of time on this software and uh found it I would say somewhere between confounding and almost maddening to use. So I Hmm. couldn't understand why or how maybe I need a five minute, maybe I didn't see the right five minute tutorial, but it just didn't seem to float my boat creatively. The whole way you had to move things around and grab things. It just didn't feel
0: Smooth. Yeah, it's, it's it's definitely, I mean, that's the thing. It's about the interactive. Now, I, I can give you a little bit of a guide. So this is the thing that I did with the uh, Sonic 2 right, uh, video, right? So I've got two hit points just to of hit the video. And what you do is, if I edit that, I'm just going to kind of change the mood and style. So we're currently at uh, Dark Dramatic Cinema. Uh, we could perhaps go with uh, Epic Percussion. Uh, I'll save that. And now I'm going to. I think I just have to render it, don't I? So, because this is. Yeah, you have to
1: render everything just to hear it.
0: Well, that's. uh, Just a preview. Okay. Here we go. Here it comes. So, this is the render process. I mean, this is only a few minutes, a few seconds long. It's a 16 second piece, and we don't know what. There we go. It's there. So, let's see what they did, what it came up with now. Uh, Let me see. Let's have a look. What's this one? okay, the video's not playing, but... Right. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah. But... A lot of trial and error. But it felt like
1: like hand me a shovel. I mean, (laughs) you know, every single thing I wanted to do, I felt like I had to dig another shovel full of dirt. And it was like... Good God. Really? This is, this feels like a creative project. You could, uh, you've got umpteen DAWs. The, the, the elementary versions are generally free or less than a hundred bucks that can do this substantially. Now I don't quite also the, the it's the interfacing, the, uh, just to, just to do what you just did and change that bed you had to go into a menu and click on a thing and do this. And it's just, there's no like coherent browser window like everybody else has. There's just so many operational things that felt like pushing rocks uphill to me that I couldn't, I just couldn't see myself. Yeah. Now that well, doesn't I mean, speak to anything about the AI and how it's interacting and what it's doing. And, and I, I, mean, on maybe, if I did get, yeah. maybe if I did get deeper into it, I'd have a clearer picture of all that, but, I'm, you know, am I really looking for a machine to call my own? No, but if interesting results can be had, it's the sort of the same interest I had in random processes back when I first met Brian, Eno on in print, and he was talking about, the, uh, you know, happy accidents and random processes and things like that. It's that same kind of interest. Yeah, sure. If you suggest some stuff to me that kind of catches my ear, but I'd like to mess with it, then that would be great. Um but mostly I kinda like doing it myself. Uh but yeah, yeah. I yeah. can probably get to like this too.
0: I think the thing that, is that like this, room, this yeah. interface this interface is really designed for, I need a, just a sort of generic, you know, I need three minutes of some kind of music bed. I mean, we are asking it effectively to kind of create a sting, which is perhaps not what it's designed for. You know, this is only 16 or 17 seconds long, and it's to sync to a video. You know, if it was just a general mood, and that's the nature of, so if, you know, if you look at the kind of the moods, then that's the sort of the mood and style that's where you're kind of working towards. So it definitely... You know, it definitely has a a different, you know, thing. If I wanted a dramatic tension bed and just needed something that filled that vibe, it may well develop more than it's had the opportunity to do in this kind of 16 second uh, spot. But I just thought what was interesting is I can actually, you know, create, I could bring in a video and sort of have something work towards it, maybe have some hit points and what have you. The classic Koto drum when the, you know, when the scene cuts or whatever. I wonder what this one sounds like. Just curious. Let's see. It's very quiet. That's the one thing I will say. But it did sort of it, come up with an uh, ending. I could do a, that's gr- a narration. A man and his <laughs>
1: microphone.
0: But exactly. I think that's what it's for. It's that's what it's hours. for. <laughs> Maybe
1: Andy in the room.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, it does. I mean, the one thing because people have been saying, well, okay, what happens with, say, the publishing? Because Taron Southern uh, is a very um, – well known uh, or you know successful kind of YouTube artiste. You know, she's got hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of YouTube video hits. You know, she's she's making a career out of doing her thing. So this is yet another kind of um uh, uh I guess publicity point. But you know she hasn't have to give away any publishing. The whole point about this is it's, you know, this is royalty, you know, <laughs> you use it and that's it. And I suppose that's the idea. But that I wonder if they could be retrospective what what would happen if the guy who wrote the code, say this hit became that song that's, as the music bed under all the Olympics in the, you know, it's a massive, massive, massive record. And he goes, hold on a minute. I should have some of that. And then there's some sort of lawyer has to unpick all of that. I wonder if that could be done retrospectively. That's the sort of stuff you've got to worry about, I suppose.
1: I imagine it's more along the lines of the way sample libraries are licensed. So if you use a sound that's distinctly from Omnisphere, chances are Eric Persing isn't going to be on my doorstep tomorrow morning.
0: Yeah, because that's distinctly. what you're paying for, I guess, isn't it? Right, right.
1: On some so in, in all of that stuff that I basically signed over to him and never read, I'm sure it says something about how you have the right to use it fairly in some production that you're doing without necessarily even crediting them for it. I I, I could be wrong about that, and I'm sure if I am uh all hell will rain down upon me in the chat room but um that's i think my understanding of fair use with regards to buying software and this is buying software
0: um, yeah I, it. I guess sure, it's, it is. Con-
1: it's content creation and we're going to talk about a lot more software today that's also part of the content creation process but i think that to the extent that you're creating it you get to say it's yours for the moment at least
0: I guess it's an interesting thing. As I said before, I, mean, I don't want to go on about it too much. I, the idea of having something reacting to your input, because it says that that's what's happening to a degree, but that's that interface isn't providing that. So maybe this, she got access to something else that was a bit more kind of inspirational. Who knows? Right. Um, what about this then? Uh, is this the right video? Yeah, I think it might be. This looks pretty cool. This is a new uh, no kidding, huh? Max for Live instrument called IOTA. Uh, this is from... Uh, Dylan Baston out today. Very similar kind of look to it. So you create zones and move it around, record the movements. Imagine if you put a timed piece of audio in there that's the same tempo as your song and then create quantized loops in there, you can create all sorts of cool stuff. I won't play the whole thing, but that looked like you could create little regions and then trigger them with MIDI. I mean, this is actually, it's a really cool interface. And what's more cool about it is it's done in Max for Live, which is even more impressive, really. I know, I, I get the feeling you thought, hmm, that's pretty cool, right?
1: I was looking for my wallet.
0: 29 euros it's not going to cost you i know a lot.
1: how much it costs it's not it doesn't cost much and it's unbelievable what it does it's just so cool it's enough to make me dig out ableton and start using it again <laughs> just because i you know kind of got into using other things for a while here and i kind of like moving around through different environments and uh this is something that would make me fire it up that near synth uh would make me fire it up and get interested
0: yeah, I think what's what's really cool about it because very you know you, things do come along once in a while that just have a, like a really obvious and beautifully clear interface, and that's just one of those things that's obviously the guy's quite interesting. Uh, um, uh, Dylan Baston is like a he works with performance artists and installations. so he's obviously very creative. So you know, this I mean, it does it's got a kind of the RX or Iris vibe to it, but it's a different. It's just it, it's a slightly different thing, but yeah, it does look pretty cool.
1: It looks amazing to me. I uh, I will buy it. I didn't buy it, but I will buy it.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, just should also say uh, for this for this to for you to have you have to have Ableton Live and you have to have Max for Live because it runs as a Max for Live device. So that is just the uh, the way it goes. But I mean, I, what what yeah. I find really encouraging is that you know. Like I say, every once in a while, something comes along that is kind of quite groundbreaking and is, it seems like an obvious way. So, you know, this is something that certainly me as a commentator always looking for. So I mean, I just go, yeah, that that makes sense. And that's really cool. And it may just move the entire sort of consciousness of GUI design on a couple of steps, you know, and maybe people will adopt that kind of kind of idea as well. I guess that's that's the same thing that what happened with the isotope, because it's the sort of thought of drawing on spectrograms and selecting individual regions well, and all that. I was just thinking
1: it reminds me of iris in some level. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the not a lot, but it makes me want to use them together. For example, those are probably, the iris is probably the next thing I'm reaching for when I'm using this thing, because I want to see how I can layer this kind of texturally evolving thing um, to make a really cool bed. Because uh, not unlike the previous device, it is sort of about textural bedding. Uh, This this sort of thing Although it could get into something much more interesting Rhythmically too But uh, I'm interested in it I really am interested in this thing
0: well, you want to head. It's featured on the Isotope Store. There's also if you go to uh dot com. There's all his various other projects as well, and you know you can see what you I mean Ableton
1: so. Store, I would think. Not yeah, oh, did store.
0: I say sorry? Ab- the Ableton yeah, yeah. Store, and uh, then uh, so it's, it's on. The, it's featured on the front page of Ableton at the moment. But uh, these are all the other projects that he's gone, which is some interesting collaborations with uh, uh, visual artists and touch sensitive paint and kind of really quite weird looking stuff. Anyway. So, um, let's see. It's probably... I wonder if we get another one in before we go anywhere else. Maybe what I'll do... Actually, let's let's have a little word from our sponsors. This is RX6. This is something that we're giving away, or iZotope are giving away, this rx 6 is kind of de facto audio restoration and fixing software. I mean, you can't really say there's anything else out there that does all of this. It's got some really, specifically for music production, some really useful things like getting rid of ground, hum and out noise, -noise. de-noise, de-clipping, very, very useful. There's also functions which allow you to uh, remove breath and mouth noises, particularly for very clean vocals, which is something that is very prevalent in today's production, so very useful that way. Also, uh, a spectral de-esser. Uh, de as you know, is not the most easy thing to set up, but this is a slightly different way of looking at it. Spectral denoise, deconstruct, declick. There's also batch editing, so you can edit a number of tracks from, say, multi-track if you want to remove. A a noise in the room or whatever. RX6, it's the industry standard for audio repair. If you want to check it out, go over to isotope.com forward slash RX6 and you'll be able to uh, download a 10-day free demo. Uh, We also had a competition from last week, episode 502. Uh, We have a winner called Michael Raymond, whose Twitter handle is at Milky Ray with two Ys on the end. And he said, need to win that Fix the mix RX Six. And you have. So if you get in touch, Isotope will be giving that to you uh, via email. You'll get it uh, dunked into your account and you'll have a full version of it. And we're also looking for another uh, entry for competition for next week's show. So if you basically what you need to do is tweet the hashtag repair and restore. That's all one word. So repair and restore and the hashtag RX6 to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. So if you're listening on audio, I'll just say that again. That's the hashtag repair and restore and the hashtag RX6 at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. You need to be in Twitter to do this, but it's a really painless exercise. And then we can easily search for the hashtags and pick a winner. It's just a nice and easy way to get random winners to the solution. Once again, we thank um, Isotope for their continued support of the show by providing the prize for this week. Thank you very much. So... um I think this one is uh, probably something that... Uh, well, well, let's play this, because I know... You you passed this on, Rich, and it was I thought it was lovely. Let's see if we can play this. This is uh, a chap called uh, Peter S. Overson, who is obviously a violin maker. And this is just like a kind of... Do- it, it, it's like, um, like... You get those movies where you can see how factories work. And this is just... Somebody making a violin. These are all the processes that go into making a violin. And they are legion. And it's really, it's quite hypnotic, this. So there he is, sort of uh, carving the shape. I mean, it just goes on and on. There's so many stages to it. See if we can find so. He's added uh, the beading. And now he's doing a bit of planing. And then we're drilling the F holes, making the outside bit. The uh, scroll neck. I mean, it, I don't know how long it actually takes. It doesn't say in there, I don't think, how long it takes. Gluing the neck on, now uh, doing the varnishing, and uh, oh, there we go. It seems to have gone now. I uh, know, oh, Rich, I just thought it was awesome. And as I think you did as well, there's something really hypnotic. I mean, and just to see the amount of care and attention that's gone into making some sort of something physical like that.
1: Well, part of me is the old guy who says, remember when. And and while I'm not, you know, representing the blacksmith's union or anything like that, the buggy whip makers convention or any of that, um, it still is kind of interesting to see that kind of craftsmanship still at work in absolutely the most analog of, of all settings, which is essentially building a fancy wooden box with holes in it and running strings over it. And let's all... Uh, say a hallelujah to that idea because how much great music has come as a result of running a string across a a wooden box and uh you when you see what goes into making that wooden box and how he's got all these jigs that describe the exact shape of that all that stuff he's doing by hand has to end up being an exact shape matching this jig that he's got That defines the shape of the instrument and those those kinds of measurements and experiments that went into determining those things have existed across centuries and uh, it's a fascinating thing and I think for a long time craftsmanship was kind of like passe in our culture and now. I think maybe uh, we were talking about this the other day, that the best examples I can think of of this kind of craftsmanship brought into the next generation is that however many hundreds of guys there are out there right now in their garages building Eurorack modules that never existed before to do things that we didn't even think about doing in the 60s when modular synthesizers first existed. And guys who are sitting at home creating software that take things that used to be impossible to do and make them not just possible, but rather, rather, relatively easy to do and uh that includes some of the kind of stuff we just take for granted and talked about you know in these last few software things even the one where i couldn't get their interface to work like sufficiently well to me i mean that stuff didn't exist on any level before and there is craftsmanship and some maybe it doesn't involve uh horseshoes buggy whips or uh woodworking quite as much as it used to although it's still very romantic when it does um it's yeah, I mean, still I, I, uh, an amazing thing.
0: Yeah. I agree. I mean, I wonder, I mean, looking at that, I mean, obviously, you know, those kind of instruments made to that degree of level and skill are going to be expensive. I mean, I don't know how long that process takes, you know, whether it's like a week or two days or three weeks. I mean, I've no idea what that time frame was. It didn't say, uh, you know, how long that was filmed over. But I mean just the cost of paying for that level of craftsmanship is kind of prohibitive to a lot of people. So, I mean, I'm guessing he's a, you know, a master maker rather than a, uh, somebody who works in a factory that kind of stamps them out a bit more. I don't know.
1: Well, that the process that he was going through takes, you know, I would think weeks to achieve something like that, because there are stages along the way where you're forming wood into a certain shape that need time for the wood to assume that shape, uh, matching the curvature of the walls of the violin to the base plate that you've made and carved out and sanded down until it matched that jig exactly um there's just so much that goes into it it's unbelievable and it and there's you know ten thousand ways to do it wrong and like maybe less than three to do it right and uh, (laughs) i do know some i do know some people who make violins um neither of whom I'm in regular contact with, but I admire their work from a distance. And one of them makes really, really revolutionary instruments, not just violins, but mando cellos. He, he works at Ithaca Stringworks in Ithaca, New York. And his name's Eric, and he makes these incredible instruments. And he plays them very, very well, too.
0: Um, I wonder, do you, do you think that... This fascinates sorry. me. Do you think no, there's, an, equi- do you think there's equi- an equivalent here? Because, I mean, obviously, you know, it takes a lot of skill and craft to create brilliant software or brilliant instruments you know i don't know how many you know th- how many hundreds or thousands of hours for instance uh, dylan had to make to make his thing i suppose the thing is is once it's made then it's kind of one to many you know it's like a template and then it can be redistributed so the, the value of that craft seems to become uh, uh, just has less it just seems perceived as less whereas it's still uh, you know eminently skillful but in a very different way
1: I agree. I agree. And and it's being applied differently and in many cases in our experience to more esoteric and electronic applications. But there are still craft fairs where you go where people are doing stuff with their hands and there are still guitar makers. And I met a few of them during this past tour who are making by hand new vintage guitars that look like vintage guitars, but play and play like the vintage guitars. But instead of costing $85,000, they cost less than four. Um, and for people who want that kind of quality with those parts that have actually been, they're using magnets from the 1960s and winding the coils themselves, using specific kinds of wire that go back to the designs of these old (laughs) guitars. And these guys are, I'm serious. And, uh, I met a guy who's basically revolutionized the bolt-on neck on some level. And and, uh, and then there's amp makers. I have another friend who I met who's, who's a guitar amp maker. And you look at the inside of this thing, and it looks like a work of art. And, um, and his amps sound incredible. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm torturing myself over the fact that I don't have half what he expects to get and deserves to get for what this thing costs.
0: I suppose um, that's So, guitar, yeah, but
1: it-, it does exist.
0: But what's interesting about this is, you know, say you're a professional user, you know, you buy one of his amps or you buy one of these guy's violins and you're gigging and you're performing. You're going to have to have a second, you know, a backup, a something what happens if, you know, you leave it at home or it breaks or whatever the reason is, you know, you know what, what happens then, you know, or if, it, you know, for instance, this handmade amp that costs, you know, X thousand dollars, you kind of, and you're touring, you're kind of going to need a backup. Are you going to get one of two of them or are you going to have something else that's sort of not quite so uh you know expensive or whatever and then if that's the case do the people that you're performing for kind of get somehow less uh less of what they should be getting when you're playing i mean it's these are questions that you know that i suppose you know you might not think about but it gives us the, the, the notion of the value of this time and the value of that stuff and how maybe so it depends on your are
1: so your question about whether or not you bring it on the road, that's a whole separate issue. And typically somebody who can afford something like this can afford two of them. And what you'd typically do is buy two of them, but you don't necessarily buy two of the guitar. You do buy two of the amp. For example, you want an amp and a backup typically if depending on the budget of your tour and what you're carrying the gear. I mean, if you're renting U-Hauls, <clears throat> excuse me, to take your drum kit, your uh keyboard rig and your little small PA, The venue, chances are you don't have two of everything, it's not like Noah's Ark in there.
0: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But if you're on a major tour, it is like Noah's Ark in there because you're gonna have two, you're gonna have backups for everything because things stuff happens.
0: Yeah, I guess that's very true, very, very true. But it's an interesting, I I just thought it was a lovely piece. There's no other reason for it other than that. Uh, While I was on that subject, I don't know if you did you see uh. This thing as well. This is uh, well. Actually, before we go there, I'm going to spring this on you because I had I don't hold you about this. I wanted to tell you about. um Hey, we got t-shirts. Hey, look, we finally got our merch together. Oh, yeah. So we've we've basically got uh, the first design that we put out was uh, it's called Keys and Wires, and it's by a guy called Jason Mastrandrea who very kindly did this for us. Uh, he's from Canada. Uh, you can get them in various uh, different colours. Let's have a look: uh, blue and black, and then we got a few hoodies as well. Uh, in different colours. Sold a few of those, actually. And some mugs. For those of you who are fans of beverages, we've got the logo on mug uh, on mugs as well. Uh, you want to head over. If you just go over to Sonic State, actually, the, probably the best thing, because there's there's links to it all over the place. There should be ads on the site. So if you fancy a shirt, uh, there's, we've also got, uh, if I show you, let me see, I think we've got uh, a, a classic logo as well, because we were immediately asked, why can, can we just have a classic design logo? So there we go. That's available on... Yeah. On the yeah. uh, on the mug and on the hoodie, I, yeah. I like that mug. I've ordered them myself. I'm hopefully I was hoping they were going to arrive before the show, so I could be sporting one and drinking from the mug. But unfortunately, oh, uh, it didn't absolutely. quite work out. Of that I'm told the end of the week. So yeah, we're working on it. Rich, you're definitely kiss you're, this you're,
1: thing goodbye as soon as that mug shows up. I promise you're you. You're
0: definitely <laughs> going to be one of the. we will send you one. Don't you worry. What? Uh, oh, what no, would you
1: no, no, I, I, I'm like the Buddhist of the hot dog vendor. Make me one with everything ah <laughs> you ever heard that joke what is the Buddhist desk the hot dog vendor make me one with everything um I want one of everything I, I'll uh, I'll buy it I, I'm, well, that's I'm, very a kind <laughs> I'm a greedy black duck I'm a greedy black duck I want one of everything
0: <laughs> so yes finally we got some merch together and uh, if you're looking for a way to kind of fly the flag or help support the site then uh, yeah just go for it it's kind of fun you know and uh and we're very pleased. We want to say thank you to uh, Jason for helping us out there. And But check this out, Rich. This is awesome. So this is uh, – I just found this. In fact, I think you had in the chat room posted this. This is a guy called John Heath who just made the uh, theme from Inception.
1: I actually uh, watched time. some of this before the show when you were running
0: it. And I uh, – it blew me away almost to the point where I thought, is that real? So this is all done on an Arturia Mini Boot. I mean, multi-tracked to death and processed to death, but still, what about oh, that? It's
1: a stunning achievement.
0: I'll move it on a bit because it it does develop. I mean, it just it's so. But when you get to the strings. kind of the mixing and, and the, the, the inclusion of dynamics in there. It's obviously the guitar part which has got uh, obviously using it on um, distortion in the DAW. And it goes right up to the kind of oh, oh no, it's obviously it drops back down again. Let me hear it. I don't know, if anything was an advert for a synthesizer, <laughs> there it is, right there. I don't know how many views this thing's had. Uh, probably not. No, only two and a half thousand. Hopefully, we can increase that a bit. Oh, Rich, I mean, forget what he used just for now. But what a beautiful interpretation! I mean, that was a. I mean, it sounded like the real thing. I mean, I, I'm not totally familiar with the real thing, but it sounded like it had all of that kind of emotion and moves. But beautiful, right?
1: absolutely a fantastic fantastic achievement great job and a testament to how great the synthesizers are and i i'm looking over fondly at my micro brute as i say that um really great instruments uh i I was watching uh dodie recently fawning over the uh, matrix brute and uh essentially they're not dissimilar in terms of the circuit design of the oscillators and, the, uh, and, the fil- and this particular filter. Uh, I know the Matrix Brute has other filters as well and other probably oscillator features as well. But these are amazing signal paths they've made up with these uh, wave shaping and the overdriving of the signal at various points and the ability. It's a nice, very nice filter. It's funny how niles steiner kind of couldn't get arrested back in the day when he was making these things i actually met the man and watched him work on his own gear and it was an incredible experience to see but uh his gear didn't like sell popularly against Moa garp roland you know it did it wasn't like you know mass market appeal stuff it was kind of small potatoes at the time and it's amazing now that the best things some of the best things about his designs Particularly, this filter have caught on so nicely in the Arturia gear, and they work great. They sound really good, and they're fun to use. It's and interesting. The, I really th- love these instruments.
0: Yeah. It's inter- What's interesting to me is, you know, he gave himself a technical challenge of kind of. Apparently, it took him six months to make, which I can totally believe. I mean, obviously, that's probably not every day, but you know, over a period of time, and to, to limit it to a single instrument, and particularly, I mean, the Steiner Parker filter does have a very specific sound, but obviously, he's found all these little spots that just kind of allow it to emulate. And it takes me back to, the. you remember, you know, when the Korg MS-20 used to come with a little patch book and you'd open it up and it would say, oboe, clarinet, string, cello, you know, and you kind of patch it up to try and... I mean, that's essentially the kind of modern-day equivalent of that, but with all those effects as well. And obviously great skill at mixing and uh, sussing out an arrangement so that it has that stuff. I mean, but it's like you say, it is a testament to, you know, what instruments are capable of, because very often one is 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 led to the extremes of an instrument settings you know you go oh it's really angry well it can be or it can be less i mean so you know so it's the 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 space between those kind of those key sounds that that he seems to have identified so skillfully this guy uh john heath there i don't
1: know i he's I, got a re- great sense for orchestration and uh, yes he had a real vision of again i'm not uh, that familiar with the original Uh, Hans Zimmer piece either but uh, obviously there was a really clear vision of where he was going with this so no you only use extremes if at all in the way like a guy like Tomita used to use them in his interpretations Ah, where he would use extreme Tomita was kind of famous for using kind of extreme synthy kind of effecty sounds in the midst of some kind of classical reading of somebody's piece this guy didn't do that much this guy kind of stayed within some very cool atmospheric orchestration concept and made it speak and uh, again it's a testament to the oscillators and those and the oscillator and that mixer that allows you to take multiple waveforms change their shaping and their intensity as far as how they overdrive the output and and when you do start looking around for sweet spots in there there's lots of them because there's a lot of stuff going on right there in that one one oscillator just before you even start filtering it it's just amazing amount of stuff you can do on those on that oscillator
0: absolutely I was just looking for uh, yeah ty who uh, seems to be in the chat room i know he 's working, but he 's obviously still uh keeping an eye on things ty uh, unwin who is is a uh, very accomplished because I said this is definitely about the user rather than the synth, and I would say, yeah, you could get a yeah, sense sure. of what he 's able to achieve with that i mean that 's the thing isn 't it i mean' it's it takes you back to the kind of notion of the bedroom studio it 's like well. When you'd hear stuff and go, "Wow, was that done by you know, all by one guy or by one you know?" It's the it's the creative imagination, huh. and it just just great, a great little find that I really enjoyed that. Um, I think what I'm going to do now is I'm just going to uh, interlude with a little bit of. Uh, a plug for our own Wave Junction synth. This is the Max for Live synth that we currently uh, offer. Uh, it's available for Max for Live at Ableton Live, and it's called Wave Junction, and it has two LFA, uh, sorry, two oscillators, each with multiple different modes, including wave... I'm still... I've lost for the word. What am I looking at? Yeah, anyway, so it's also got uh, three for multi-mode filters, which you can actually the in multiple different ways. It's got uh, five ADSRs, five LFOs and a 12-slot modulation matrix. All of this demo, apart from the drums, was done in it with a bit of effect. Uh, We've got a 10% discount available on this uh, to users of Sonic Talk. If you go to bit.ly slash Wave Junction and enter the code WJTalk17, that's the code WJTalk17, you get 10% off the the price, which is only 20 quid anyway, so uh, you save yourself another couple of quid. And Actually, while you're out, you can pick up the free Mono Junction as well, which is a similar technology but it's a monosynth and it's free also. Remember Max for Live and Ableton. I'll let it play out. Bit.ly slash wave junction. There we go. Plugs over and done with. Right, uh let's see, we've got another video here. Let's have a look. Ah oh, yeah, hey, uh this one. Let's have this one. Just as we came to show last week, um, Korg introduced the iMonopoly, uh, well it's not, it, Monopoly iOS, which is available as a standalone, also available as a device, a gadget. Uh, they've expanded it somewhat, uh, but I'm so pleased that this is it. I love this synth, I've got one of these synths, mine is very poor so you get yeah you get unison, uh, you get paraphony, and um, you get uh, polyphony as well in this one. Four VCOs. In case you weren't wondering, there's all sorts of mod destinations, cross modulation, and obviously it's got multi effects in. There we go. Cheesy polyphony. If this is just raw without anything processing, then it's an impressive sounding thing. I don't know, Rich. Are you familiar with the Monopoly I mean I don't know There's, it's one of those synths that seem to pass a lot of people by it was kind of it was a big deal because it was four voice mono but it also did poly and it was very unusual for its time and I don't know that it really kind of I don't know how big it was really
1: um it wasn't that big but it was a significant instrument to me <clears throat> excuse me um I'm pretty sure I was still selling keyboards when this thing appeared and if not it was the year after so that would put it around 77 or 78 and um it was competing with excuse me the oberheim four voice on the same sales floor which is a tough act for anybody to follow and the cs80 was out there too um but it was an attempt to make a very very interesting and versatile instrument and offer polyphony as well and it sounded fantastic and uh to me reminds me of that whole era with the poly they had a poly 6 at the time too and it just it really does kind of remind me of that whole design phase where they were doing really cool and interesting things the ps modulars and uh i was really blown away by the demo for this thing and i'm sure i'm gonna end up owning it because it really does sound great and it'll be fun to have
0: i mean i have all their
1: other stuff Well, they they were... I'm getting it now, and and they've... It's funny, because I'm not that interested in their hardware, and never have been, but I am really interested in their software, and that's kind of odd, in a way.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because I recall they... They were they were amongst the first of the big manufacturers to kind of embrace the new handheld devices. In fact, they released something for the Nintendo DSi first. I think it was the uh, MS-20, iMS-20, before I okay. think it came out on iOS, before that was available. And they were amongst the first people to kind of develop for the app. So they're, whoever they use, if they're not in-house, I think they probably are in-house, is really on their game, and that, that's the thing about the Korg stuff. They really do get it together. I think uh, I've got it here. It's 90, It's 20 bucks. you know. It's not a cheap synth, but, I mean, it's dirt cheap when you consider what it'll do. And uh, let's see. It needs only needs a 9.3 or later, which is impressive. So 5S, 6, 6 Plus, 6S, 7. So it starts at 5S and up. Uh, iPad... Uh, Let's see. iPad Mini 2, iPad Air 2, iPad Mini 3, iPad Mini 4, uh, see, iPad Pro. Yeah, so pretty much, I mean, apart from the very early stuff, it won't, it'll It'll run. And I think there's, you know, we. it feels like we're getting to the situation whereby, you know, some of these things are going to be really compelling to a lot of people, and we still haven't quite got the, if I buy that and this thing that I can just clip it in and play with, then I'd use it because it's all this sort of like clipping it into something and having a clip, you know, it, that makes it kind of seem to be used less in a kind of front and centre. You're not seeing people playing them live, which you'd imagine people would start to do that with this kind of level of creativity and ability, you know, and uh, uh, stuff There, I wonder, you know, where, where that's going to that, start, because this is starting to get like, hmm, why not? This is, you know, where can I get that elsewhere? I guess Gadget for Mac, you run it under that, I suppose.
1: Yeah, they say they're going to release compatible gadget software for this. And it gave yeah. it a fancy name, like the gadget stuff has.
0: I remember the thing I remember about this synth is uh, because I, I I could never, I, I probably told the story before, you know, when I was starting out remixing, you know, I'd be using 8-bit samples and Atari ST and all my cheap instruments. And uh, uh, whenever there was a synthesizer that was really great sounding, it never used to fit in. It was too big, like a Moog sound, just never fit because it just used up all the space because I was only operating in a quite a narrow frequency bandwidth. And I the Korg cool Monopoly for years was my bass synth of choice. You know, I was doing lots and lots of remixes. That was the sound. That was the synth. That uh, And when I'd first earned a little bit of money, it was the synth I wanted and I, I just absolutely love it. And I, I wish I, I mean, I wish I could claim I knew it inside out. I don't. You know, it's actually quite complex. And there's a lot of stuff that you could do with it. It's sort of, in a weird kind of way, there's a nod to it. You know, from the uh, the Timberwolf is not. Dis- you know, that's. I think that's only got. Has it got three or four oscillators? I don't remember. But it's a similar concept in effect, that you can have three separate oscillators. You can't run it multi-timberly, obviously. But there's. It was just. It's just a physically beautiful thing. Did you ever get to play one, much, Rich.
1: I recall a little bit on on the sales floor I played it. I never actually you know used it on a gig or you know owned one myself or was around it a lot. but it sounded great. I was really impressed with, like I said, all of what they were doing at that time. I didn't own any of it, but i I played p s modulars and I played poly sixes and I played this thing and I played the other various instruments they were coming up with at that point. I think it was a strong period for them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we know, summer tr- seems to be traditionally the time when you release software instruments. I I I wonder what it is about that rather than hardware. I mean, is it cuz you don't have to go to the store, you could download it. It's an easy thing to go on the go, but yeah, it seems to be the time when this stuff sort of stuff comes out and all these bundles and packages and what have you. Seems to be summer. I don't know why. I
1: don't have any insight into uh <laughs> app release dates. No, like for example, <laughs> music release dates. There used to be a whole ethos to when you you know you would hold the record off until whatever christmas or what have you but uh you know in various times of the year you'd know that you stood a better chance against certain kind of markets than others and people had that all analyzed it's probably true of the app business too i'm just not privy to it
0: yeah i have no idea but uh it seems to be the time when you do i guess also sometimes sales uh maybe in hardware or whatever uh, tailing off because people are away and they don't necessarily go to the store. They're not going to be in to receive a delivery, whereas you could buy stuff like this, just kind of like, oh, yeah, click, I'll have it. It's easier to purchase. And so, you know, you keep your revenues up. I don't know.
1: But all of that is based in a retail, a strong retail paradigm, which I think uh, kind of doesn't exist these days.
0: No, I suppose not. I, mean, I suppose not. Oh, however, um, speaking of hardware since. We've got the uh, Dave Smith desktop uh, was announced yesterday. Rev 2 desktop, sorry, which is available. This is in, my job. Uh, it's what I've been doing for 40 uh, years now. 16 it's voice and 8 voice. This is kind of superseding the Prophet 08, which I think is now actually being retired. play
1: the instruments is really fun, and that's the, the real payoff. Good old Dave there. I don't think a whole lot about what I did 40 years ago or 20 years ago because it's much more interesting to be thinking about what we're doing now and what we want to do next. We're not out to conquer the world. We just want to craft cool instruments that we want to make and see how it goes.
0: Every once in a while, though, of course, I reflect on some of the things that have happened in the past because somebody else... It's a lovely look it's a lovely look of thing. The Rev2 got lots of people very excited. In fact, I, I don't think I've ever had quite so many uh continuous and prolonged uh review requests. In fact, just today, and I have been asking Dave Smith Instruments about this for quite some time, and today I got the okay, we got review units of the Rev 2 uh keyboard available now. They've been fulfilling stuff, so it looks like I'm probably gonna get hold of one. I guess that'll probably come into time. Just in time for the Rev2 desktop to be uh, released, which is kind of smart, I suppose. I oh, know. Um, have you had a chance to play with the Rev2? I mean, because Dave Smith Instruments seems to have that. That they kind of have this slow incremental build. I mean, apart from the analog poly stuff that they built, like the uh, um, the the OB6, which is a, a thing of beauty as well. Like the Rev2 seems to have a bit more going on as well, right?
1: Rev2 looked and sounded amazing when I played it at Nam which is my only interaction with it. And, uh, Dave Smith makes great sounding instruments and he's a really nice man. And I don't know how much better it gets in life than that. <laughs> when you get down to it, you know what I mean? He makes great sounding instruments. He's a sweetheart of a guy and he's the kind of guy you want to, you want to root for. And I, and I, we have a, a profit 08 autographed at Niles studio, uh, by Dave Smith. And, uh, I'm proud to have his gear. I don't have a Rev 2. I don't do enough. I I just haven't. I just haven't. I can't. I really don't have a good excuse, except I just haven't bought one. If I was going to buy one, the OB6 is probably first on my list, but this thing isn't far down.
0: Yeah, I have to say the OB six is something special. They captured the. I think that's the other thing about what they do as well. They create very much instruments. You know, it's not just a set of features. There's something about the the whole picture, and obviously that comes from the experience that he's had over the years. And why he hasn't gone radically kind of left or right from the sort of the Dave Smith way because that makes sense. Apart from right at the beginning when he was like the polyevolver and and the the, the, the funny little. Uh, the, he was one of the first guys to create that to to utilize that kind of matrix uh style of editing where you have the parameter buttons and the knobs and the lanes of different parameters in, you know, and and and, and I think that was probably about as radical as it got for a little while. And now his radicality is kind of almost like, hey, let's make one with real analog oscillators. The Rev2 obviously is, i think it's two voices per two, o- two oscillators per voice. They're DCOs. But as Dave said, I think I interviewed him at NAMM about this. And he said, you know, the point is, is like, yeah, analog stuff is great. But what you can do with DCOs now is really powerful. And you can kind of build in that kind of lack of stability. You could do all of those things. I mean, some people, for instance, would never, you know, just never countenance anything else. But I think you can you can actually think about it in different ways. I mean, I was listening to, there's a Peak demo from uh, uh, Milo Melodies who posted like just a half an hour of him noodling on a Novation Peak, which has digital oscillators uh, and an analog filter. And crikey, what he was doing with it put my review to shame. It sounded absolutely amazing. And it just, you know, it's like, well, it doesn't necessarily matter so much. Sometimes it's nice to, to know you've got them if that's what you really want. But ultimately, it's not that important. I, I'm i looking forward to trying the Rev 2 because I know it's got some interesting features and in the effects and stuff. And the last Dave Smith thing I reviewed was the OB6 desktop, which I just, I really, really like the sound of it. I mean, it was limited, but it just sounds, it's the, it, it's, it's the familiarity of that sound. You just kind of go, oh my goodness, you know, that's, that's a thing you know that is the thing that that thing does and it does it really I mean I'm sure it's not identical to you know an o b s uh, original ob in, in in the same way that you know two 30-year-old instruments will never sound the same as each other anyway but great and I'm really pleased that this is happening because He's come under a lot of pressure there's a lot of pressure on the kind of the the, the high voice count polysynths at the moment what the Berengers and uh the Peak I think actually this is probably this is uh, eight voice goes for 12.99 US dollars and I think the 16 voice is going to be 17.99 so it's a couple hundred bucks cheaper than that than the the keyboard and people kind of dig. I know Robbie you know he's he's like I want a desktop I can't I've got room for any more keyboards once you've got the keyboard then you kind of you just plug it in how you want right mm
1: mm-hmm. mhm Well, also to to get back to Dave Smith, he did uh, go after form factor. In other words, he changed the paradigm of form factor with those smaller instruments, the mofo and things like that. The ones you describe as having the matrix editing capability and uh, and then came back to the more traditional design when this whole analog thing had had just blossomed but he was not stuck in in a, a particular form factor or even a particular instrument style and um he really seems to be a guy who develops out of his own interests and his own heart and uh, what he gathers that people will find useful. And uh, so he continues to make instruments with DCOs, even though he could have just quit on that DOB6 and said, all right, that's it. It sounds great. It's analog. It's, and uh, no, he's going to keep making better instruments that he likes better and that he wants to, you know, have out there.
0: Yeah. And as I, you say, I love that. he is a really lovely bloke. He's kind of one of my favorite. Yeah. I always love to talk to him. Not only because uh, I always get those little uh, DSI, I've got nearly the set of the DSI uh, tequila shot glasses, but the fact that there's some always, uh, if you ask, there's always, or sometimes it's offered, uh, there's a, a really nice quality bottle of Patron uh, hanging around somewhere that you might get a little nip to keep ah. going. Unfortunately for me, the last couple of times that's happened has been on Sunday morning at Nam, when I'm usually really hungover because that's the night we party. So... Last time I did that, I said, yes, I'll try a bit. And it was like, oh, my God, I cannot drink this. I'm going to I'm gonna have to leave the building if I do this. So so I, I, I wasted my opportunity there. <laughs> but, yeah, the DSi uh, desktop um, Rev 2, available from October, they believe. Um, I think we've got a little bit. To, have you got time for this last video? Um, this is the interesting uh, zvoc 9. This is a brand new uh, controller. They're going to be going to Indiegogo quite soon, and they're pushing quite hard. I think they're showing some ads on, uh, you know, to, to raise awareness. It's a really interesting idea that you've basically got these nine pads, but each of them has different zones and controller X Y capabilities, as well as uh, just a regular, you know, hit them and Look make a sound. An I won't play the whole thing because there's quite a lot of them sitting around in chairs, which is not quite so fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like there's some, that, there were some people playing it who who got some really good stuff out of it but it, it looks like it could be a really interesting piece they were asking me to review it and uh, send a prototype review it before Kickstarter, uh, before it's uh, indiegogo but i felt a bit uncomfortable with that because that's a bit like either supporting the campaign or, or trashing it before if there's Excellent. something wrong but it looks like it's really easy to map. I don't know how much it's going to be or anything, but just as a sort of an interesting idea as a new controller, I mean, you've got a new controller that's, you know, you've adopted one. Do you think that, do you think that there's, a, there's an opportunity for, for even more? I mean, I, I guess, you know, what if Rowley made uh, drum pads or some kind of control based on that? Um,
1: the jury is out on this thing for me. I I saw I watched the whole video. I saw what they did with it, and I'm not blown away yet, but I haven't closed the door.
0: <laughs> yeah, how's that? Again, it's it's one of That's those kind of funny. show me, show me Yeah, I'm, I'm still the, uh... I'm still
1: from Missouri, as we like to say, where it's not flooded. Um, which is the show me state in the U.S. When we say I'm from Missouri, that means show me. So, uh, yeah, there's the website situ- here, I'm which is Missouri.
0: It does look like it co- I don't know. Uh, it doesn't say how much it is literally you're signing up. So they're going to let you know when the Indiegogo thing goes. It- I just thought I'd play a bit. I just thought I'd play <laughs> it in because, uh, I was just interested to see what people thought about it. Zivok Nine, I think, I don't know whether exactly where they're from. I think maybe, uh, Czechoslovakia or Romania. I'm not sure the guy behind it is called Dragon, which is a, a fantastic, uh, Eastern European name. So, uh, see what other stuff they've got here so yeah, big pads and layout, just play, anodize XY pads uh, MIDI assignable, velocity and aftertouch global pad settings uh, hardware controls no menu uh, so yeah, this is what it's going to look like Uh, force and location sensitive pads seven scales, chords, aftertouch, MIDI over USB and through mini jack out so yeah, Dragon Posda Ratko, Nima and Igor Petrovich so those are the guys so yeah guess we'll have to wait and see but i always i mean i never sorry oops wrong button i
1: i never expected somebody along the lines of a jeremy ellis to be able to do on buttons what that guy can do on buttons so i'm totally prepared to be blown away on this thing i just don't have a vision of what that is
0: no i think that's fair enough um well, anyway, I wanted to get it in there, um, and there's not much more to say about it, apart from if you want to check it out, you go to ZVUK Machines, That's zvukmachines.com. That'll take you there. You can find out, maybe sign up and see if you're interested. I'm looking at that. I'm guessing it's going to be in the €1,500 Euros area, maybe more. That's what I'm guessing. Uh, but I don't know. That is a total guess. It may be cheaper, maybe more expensive. I hope it's affordable because that's the key to a lot of these things. As we've seen, we saw with the piano last week, you know, it's just like such a crazy amount of money, like 8000 euros for essentially a controller. You know, you've got to really want something and really be prepared to put that kind of time in to learn something. So if the barrier to entry is a bit lower, then hopefully it will end up a little bit more, uh, a bit more cool uh so as your head said imagine what uh, a lady aptitude said imagine what i could do on buttons peyote buttons very good she's very good for the puns uh that's uh, so in the chat room and also the, those of us that are f- in the what kind of ah P- poi sonati here we go there's a question we can answer what kind of innies innies are you using uh i know you were talking about this but i'm just using a pair of cheap skull candy buds you know i'm not really using anything uh, anything fancy whereas rich has got proper ones I think.
1: I've got Shure uh, 535s in right now. Those are my backups for live work. And my full-time ones on stage are Ultimate Ears uh, Studio Reference Version 2 these days. I was a big fan of Version 1, and now I'm a big fan of Version 2. And uh, they're very nice people, and like I say, uh, I think make some great, great products and have been really, really great to work with.
0: Excellent, and we were talking sort of in the show preamble about that kind of what's like when you're, uh, when you're on stage with the in-ears. It takes a bit of getting used to, but it your, changes your life in many ways.
1: It was, it's a huge benefit to me in what I do and what my role is in the band and what it's like trying to hear keyboards on a stage uh, coming out of speakers and how much room it would take up to get it to sound any good because I really need to hear it in stereo. Because keyboards sound crappy in mono, they just do, especially when you're playing synthetic strings. So I I am hugely a fan, bigly a fan, bigly of, a fan. Uh, my in-ears, of my in ears, of my in ears on stage. And yet I can introduce you to other members of the band that swear by not using them. I and guess there's intram-
0: people have in between. How loud? Do you is there a kind of point at which you know do they measure what you're getting? Because we're always told you know putting headphones in and, and listening too loud is obviously very damaging to your ears. So there's you know there are limiters and all sorts of volume kind of uh, guards on those in-ear systems, right?
1: There can be, but I don't want any. Um, I don't want limiter on the on the belt pack. I don't I don't want that. No. Huh, the, the, so the, the the signal is already somewhat compressed by the by the transmission it seems but but whether that's theoretically supported or not uh, i don't want compression at the belt pack and i monitor not quietly but not nearly as loud as the stage volume
0: right i suppose that's the thing the thing that any have got to kind of not only have they got to put the sound in your ear they've always got to stop the other sound from coming in so that you can hear the sound in your ear without having to crank it you you can
1: choose how much you want that to be the case and for people who are afraid they're going to feel disconnected they make them essentially with holes in them uh, that allow you Ah. to hear the outside world as well and then there are guys who stand up there with one ear in and one ear out and i'll never understand that um but that's what a lot of guys do particularly singers
0: yeah i think i think it's to do with the pitch pitching isn't it kitchen because you hear something through bone and through I definitely can not I hear different. myself
1: better I hear myself better in the ears than I hear myself taking oh. one out that's for sure but but uh some people don't hear it that way and that's fine they have a right to hear what they want to hear um we just finished this tour with earth wind and fire they're all on in ears and there are no guitar amps on stage so they have very very tight control of what's taking place actually acoustically on the stage
0: Apart from the brass, <laughs> which probably blare it out a bit. Cause brass well,
1: they're playing, into, they're playing generally into clip on lavalier style microphones anyway, so they can move around a lot. And um, all the guitars are wireless. All the amps are off stage, facing in different directions. They are not towards the audience. And uh, their whole world is run in wireless rig acoustics. You yeah. know what I mean? In ears and such. Uh, um but, some bands do that
0: we have a hybrid. question for you we actually Bo, yeah. Bob buddha says, rich, do you have your own uh volume have oh, i have control an, I have an
1: overall I have an overall volume control for my pack um some people on stage these days you'll see with small eight eight fader mixers and they get a breakout of drums bass guitars vocals and themselves or whatever and uh they can actually do their own mix. I don't do that. And I don't wish necessarily to do that. Although I could certainly do it if I had to. Hmm. Um, So no, I get a stereo feed from our genius monitor guy and I can control the volume of what I'm listening to.
0: Yeah, which should be enough anyway. Okay, um, I just wanted to ra- mention one thing. NobCon number six is happening uh, 8th the 10th of September. We were hoping to have Suit and Tie Guy on today, but he just couldn't make it work in the time we had available. So uh, if you're thinking of going to NobCon, head over to knobcon.com. Uh, it's in Chicago. Lots and lots and lots and lots of people there. Tom Oberheim, guest of honour. And uh, we may get uh, um, to on after the show and give us a bit of a debrief on it. So yeah knobcon.com if you want to head over to the big mid uh what is that is it midwestern no, i guess it's west Why would you uh, how would you describe chicago geographically
1: it's in the midwest northern it's part the midwest. of the midwest it's along lake michigan lovely That's lake michigan one of the, the great lovely lakes.
0: Lake michigan. so yeah if you want to check it out i think you can get tickets uh obviously you can stay in the hotel or in the surrounds i think it's all entirely possible um, I think that probably brings us to uh, to a close. Uh, before I go, I'm just going to have another very quick plug for our T-shirts and uh, uh, designs. Here we go. There's, uh, we've got a couple of them. Uh, we've got the keys and wires design. You get If you just go to sonicstate.com, there's links from that there. You can buy one and support the site in various different colors. We've got tees, we've got hoodies, we've got mugs particularly like the mugs actually i can't wait for mine to arrive i'd be slurping on it now if it had if it had got here already but it just hasn't quite yet we've got the availability in uh, the eu and the us so when you go there it'll ask you where you're from which means if you're in the uk you don't have to pay for us shipping and if you're in the us you don't have to pay for uk shipping all those good things that's yeah. one of the primary reasons yeah. people are going. why do you use teespring and it was like that was because uh because of that primarily and cool. uh, that was a, a great, I want to say thanks to Jack for helping us set all this stuff up and also Jason Mastrandea for uh, doing some sort of designs. We have more designs coming. In fact, I just got sent a, a draft of a design uh, by a chap called Ben Shannon. Uh, this is, uh, he said he wanted to design a t-shirt that he thought Gaz would wear. So this is uh, maybe something that's coming. So as you can see, we've got the, the golden synth light coming down on uh, Disciples of Synth there, which I think is quite good fun. So we may well make that into a shirt yeah, as yes. well. So we'll be introducing more. Uh, that's it for this week. Uh, also, actually, before we go, I should mention, if you want to enter the competition for Isotope, uh, you've got to tweet the hashtag repair and restore and the hashtag RX6 to at SonicState and at isotope Inc. That's for your chance to win Isotope RX6 there the de facto audio repair and audio restore programs. That's the hashtag repair and restore and the hashtag RX6 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, So, Rich, thank you very much for joining us and uh, kind of um, being my foil. I know sometimes it's hard when there's only two of you, but it's never hard when it's you. So thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Um, So you're around for a while now, right?
1: I'm around for the next 10 days. Ah. And then we're going to South America to play four shows there, including the Rock
0: and Rio Festival in
1: Rio. And then we're going straight to Tokyo where we're playing the Budokan with Duran Duran.
0: Wow. That's going to be intense. Yeah. Brilliant. That sounds like fun.
1: Yeah. Yep. I'm looking forward to it. Brilliant.
0: Well, thank you very much for joining us, Rich. I also say thank you very much to our chatties in the uh, IRC chat room and also the chatties at YouTube. Uh, You can find us there whenever we go live. It should just kind of pop up. Uh, But if you're wondering where... Uh, where you can see the IRC, sonicstate.com forward slash live. You get the embed of the live stream and an IRC chat. And if you go to YouTube, uh, was it? com slash sonicstate slash live gets you to whatever we're live streaming at the moment. That's it for this week. I want to say thank you very much. Uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.